February 25, 2023. It's the Watt for Pedro Show. Don't cry, baby. Don't cry, baby. Don't cry, baby. Try your eyes. Let's try it over again. You Come on, sweetheart, let's try it over again. Don't cry, don't cry, my little baby, don't you cry, cause your daddy's coming home just as soon. So don't cry, baby, don't you cry.
Watch for Pedro Show. Happy Saturday. Offline talking about the weather. <laughs> it's trippy here in SoCal. You can hear people. I'm not man alone because of those uh, software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention I got with me. Welcome aboard. Glad crow, to be here, crow man. or crow? Crow, like okay. the bird, not like, like the, the bird. actor. Like the bird. Okay, okay. We First right off, we got to give Howard big fucking props for the connect, right? Yeah, Howard and Mark Stewart, too. Oh, uh, brother you, Mark Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, Mark would, first told me uh, I needed to be on your show two years ago. He's like, oh, my gosh, you've got to get on Mike's show. And this is before we released the single with you uh, and him. So yeah. I'm excited to be here, and Howard's a great connect, and he's been great to work with too. And I really appreciate it. we got us got it to happening. Yeah, but you know, pop group was huge influence on men and men. Of course, man. Yeah, huge. And then yeah, I get to, I get to play with the man. You know, that's I love it. Incredible. I love it. And that single incredible. is so good. That single is so good. Yeah, and you know, it was a cover of a Grant tune. Grant from who played drums. And I know, and it just has so many layers of meaning to it. I love that. Well, that's bitching about music and the arts, the, the, the way humans can connect without having to be fucking fascist. <laughs> uh, man, it's me. I agree 100%. Absolutely. Look, let me tell you people what they just heard. We start off the show with Don't Cry Baby Blues. This is live 1954, John Coltrane, when he was with the rabbit, Johnny Hodges. So much respect. Mm. And then we had Lesson 7 with Fallen Into Sleep. This is the Mark Pistol Pulse Mix. So, uh, Scott, please bring your earliest musical recollection. Oh, my gosh. I, I, you know, I, I grew up in country music royalty. I don't know if you know that, but my dad was the drummer for George Jones and Tammy Wynette for 25 years. Climbing. And then he was in prison for 20 years. So he was a, his own damn country song himself. But I, I grew up listening to music my whole life. I, I grew up standing on stages behind George and Tammy. I'm, I have met all these people like Johnny Cash and... Ronnie Millsap and the Statler Brothers. I mean, that list just goes on. And I, it's so funny because I thought all these people were with my family when I first met them. I didn't realize they were just musicians that were all friends, you know. I mean, George Jones used to have his birthdays at my grandmother's trailer because he's from the same small town as my dad. And so uh, so that's my first musical, uh, you know, learning. And then my dad gave me a drum kit. And uh, and so I started playing drums. I've joined metal bands. and uh, But there's been so much music that influenced me. But the first stuff after after I left country music was definitely like early. It was rock and roll for me. I mean, it was like Kiss and The Who and Led Zeppelin and stuff. This is way before, uh, you know, I discovered punk because I'm a redneck from Texas, you know. Well, and then later it was punk and industrial. Well, you know? let me in the pad since your pop was a drummer. Was there a drum set in the pad? Yeah, yeah, he gave me a drum set. Yeah, yeah, okay, he always had okay, a kit. Okay, and in fact, he was such a he was such an asshole. Uh, I wanted to learn to play drums better than him. That was actually my motivator more than anything. He was terrible at ex- expressing that stuff. Uh, but you know, I mean, he was a, he was you know he had a drug addiction and alcohol problems that I didn't know as a child. He was angry violent man and i mean that's real you know and like uh but i i learned to play drums and you know i went from having a little 1962 uh ludwig uh pearl uh pearl handle kit that was kind of used and beat up that my dad had used since the early days of the of the jones boys uh i used that and then i got an octoplus set and my first metal band i was playing this double bass you know nine tom kit you know from that <laughs> can i ask you so, some uh, stuff yeah, man. before that like first record you bought with your own money with my own money oh my gosh cracker box palace from uh george harrison george harrison 
Yeah. Whoa. And that was, and that was after it was already out, you know, like I went to, my mom took me to Montgomery wards and I, I went and bought a bunch of 45s for my birthday, about my seventh or eighth birthday. A lot of stuff. I didn't even know what it was, but I was like, Oh, he was in the Beatles. I like the Beatles. I bought, I also bought a uh, yellow submarine on 45, you know, cause they didn't turn over stock back then. So you're buying dead stock as new stock. Yeah. So to me, it was all new songs, you well, know, you know, when you're yep. a kid, you ain't got a lot of money. So that's why I asked that question. What was the first gig you saw? Uh, probably George Jones and Tammy Wynette yeah, at yeah. three or four years old. Uh, I saw, I saw Neil, I mean, the thing is concerts, man. Like I've seen Neil Diamond and John Denver and Barry Manilow and, uh, Kiss and Black Sabbath and Van Halen. I've seen hundreds of bands. I've seen Neil Diamond. I know, Diamond but you can only have times, your first. You can only have your first one first, so that's why I asked. Oh that my one. gosh, I know I'm terrible about can that. I, stuff. Can I ask you about school? <laughs> Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? I barely. You know, I, I mostly smoked a lot of weed when and I was an outsider. But then in high school, for a minute, we had the show choir, yeah. and I played drums in the show choir because I realized I could get out of school. Okay, and so. And I and I quit high school in uh, my senior year, and I I was going to be a rock star, so oh, I yeah, quit yeah. after that. I was already <laughs> in bands by the time I was in well, eighth ninth yeah, grade. Yeah, I want to ask you about that, like not after school graduating or, or leaving like you did, but in the afternoon, did you get into the basement band, uh, bedroom band, garage band thing? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, I was in all these that. metal cover bands. Yeah. T- tell me about the first time. Well, what was it? Just a jam band, a prac band? You're like you're trying to learn songs off records or something? Yeah, so I'm like 12 or 13, and I joined my first rock band, and we're playing uh, uh, Thin Lizzy and and uh, Judas Priest and stuff like that. And all the guys in the band were 18 to 25 years old, and I was the youngest guy. And I wasn't a prodigy; I was just somebody who could play. And so, can I, can I ask uh, we you? We were since, doing all kind of cover songs, and then every day we practiced. Can I know? ask you? Since you were the drummer man, was the prax at your pad? No, he wasn't. No, wow. it was a, okay, a singer who was 25 years old. He had a house and a wife and everything. And so we went over to his house and played in his garage. I okay, loved it. Okay, that's bitching. And could you keep your drums over there? Yes, I did. They yeah. just stayed set up because we practiced all the time. I mean, they were they seemed like they were serious. At the, that band was called Airport Freeway, if you ever want to know. Did, <laughs> did you ever do a gig with them? Did you ever do a gig with them? No, we never did. Just okay. years of rehearsals. Can you remember your first gig? Uh, when I was about uh, about fourteen, I, I played. Uh, we played at. Uh, I played in my high school uh, with with Fractured Wing, this other metal cover band. Uh, we did a couple of songs, and then and then after that, I just started. I started getting into well, clubs. Well, let me ask about you about that gig. Was that gig? A yeah, success? man. Was was that a success? That gig. It was. There was about 200 kids in the auditorium. They were our peers. Were, uh, were you scared? And, uh, I was terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah, a shy yeah. kid. <laughs> I'm a shy kid, man. Shit, you know, too. I sound like I a bullshitter, but I'm a t- I was a shy kid. You know, I was an outsider and a weird kid, but I was also a shy kid, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I got so, tired of getting dumped in the trash can, you know. So, so it was kind of a coming out party for that. It was really good. The, the gig was really meaningful because those guys – were the the most serious band I'd been in at that moment. It was a three piece. It was a, a a singer, a drummer, me, and a and a guitarist. And we were, we just had rotating bass players coming in and out. Okay, uh, you may know that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and how long that last? Oh, it was two or three years. Uh, by the time I was out of high school, I'd already left that band. It's gone into electronics by then. 
Whoa, electronics. Oh, like synthesizer yeah, started, and uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like synth stuff. Started doing, I started doing synth music and stuff in about 1985. Speaking of which, so. you gave me this tune, Crown. So I want to play it right now.
Josani. Lula Cota. Hard to die to be denied. Hard to 
Show that chunk of music started off with Lesson Seven doing Crown. Then we had Emergency Room. That's got Brother Brendan Etter, who was just on last edition, with eight. 
Kiss's college band when he was at, in New Mexico. Uh, Phil Maggie after that, brand new from him out of maybe Belgium, huh? Anonymity. Cat Casual in the final word with De- Deconstruct Sun. So you take the K out of punk rock, you get pun rock, people. <laughs> Objections after this. This is a brand new band made of uh, two of the cats from Bilge Pump over in Leeds, England. BSA Day, which might mean the motorcycle company. You could tell if it's an England bike, though, because it's leaking oil, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> She's a leaker. Truth, man, truth. Okay, medicine singers after all you triumph uh, supporters. Right, right. There's no fans, right? They're supporters. Yeah. The supporters, <laughs> what in junior high, they call the shit we had to wear under our gym shorts. You could not wear fucking skivvies or chonies, man. You had to snap the strap, right? The gym teeth. That, that was a weird thing. A little Freudian. Uh, <laughs> Sunset after that from Medicine Singers. Released into Dementia from Guided by Voice. Bob Pollard. Every other month, has got to be a new album, right? Man is prolific, people. Dayton, Ohio, too. Uh, near where that fucking train thing. So mm. he's got a lot to write some songs about, maybe. Lesson seven, finally, with Orphe. Okay, continue on. So you leave school and you and you start getting changing changing up on the music. So you leave the the trap set behind. Yep, I did. Went to I went to college for a few months. Uh, met a lot of good people there. Did experimental music and then. Failed out miserably in the first year. Uh, went on and started following my rock and roll dreams for the next few years from about 85 to about 92. Can I ask you, constantly. Scott? Scott, did you go to uh, college at North Texas? Is that Denton? Is Denton's a music uh, It is in Denton. Right? Yes, I did. I went to, I studied experimental music for a year at, in, in North Texas while, you know, known for its jazz school. Big, giant jazz school. Right, right. I, uh, I played there. One time I played on the campus and asked for some paper for a set list, and the fucking paper had staff lines on it. So I knew it was a music school, right? You're like, that doesn't help. <laughs> but I was just there about a year and a half ago. There's a bitching pad called Rubber Gloves there, which is like for gigs. Still but it's there. All, it's still practice pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it's still good. That, that's a long-term institution in Texas. You know, it's really so many good bands have used that space over the over the thirty years I've known about it. Much That's respect. great, man. So, 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 so you're studying some electronic music at school, but then you 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 go. The hard rock is calling you. The heavy metal. No, I left the metal behind. I, you know, oh. once I grew, once I became a teenager, I'd left metal. You know, I'd already discovered punk at about eighty four, so, something like that. Okay. I saw, you know, I almost saw Minutemen. Okay. Uh, in 84. So just so you know that I just missed the gig. So which town Dallas? Mm-hmm. Because at, we used to, uh, I remember either, the first either... Dallas gig we did was opening for black flag at something called the twilight ranch. And it was also called exactly. the, and the, the, triple the twilight called... room became the something ranch, circle right. a ranch, circle a ranch. Like that. That's yeah. right. And it was on yes. commerce. It was by the police station where Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald. Absolutely, right around the corner, and the mural is still there. That's been there since '82. Uh, this one of this F F sixteen fighter that's been painted on this giant wall. You know, uh, about it was it was about nuclear war and stuff, and that's that mural is still there on the side of that building, and that club's been gone for thirty yeah. years. And, but you know, and by the way, years. it was upstairs, you know, and so you had to get your yep. shit up this yes. like twirler kind of stairs, and then there was a hatch next to the fucking stage. I guess there used to be a building next to it that got torn down so if you didn't know and you opened that fucking hatch you're gonna take the 
fast. You're going way down. down. <laughs> I know. So many people. And that club was hot. It was so oh, hot. Oh, yeah. Club. Was oh, like, fuck they, yeah. They refused to turn the damn AC on. Because you, you sell know? more beers. <laughs> <laughs> and I happened to be at the Duchess of York in Leeds. I, I asked the guy, "Why, you know, Jesus? It's, why don't you open the windows?" It's well, that, <laughs> mate. That is how we sell the beer. I said, "Okay, it's okay. the truth, okay. man. Okay. It's the truth." And you're, you know, selling tons of Lone Star to, to everybody, man. So it was hot. Well, yeah. this was in England, but same idea, same idea. I guess they're same so- idea. Oh hell yeah, Texas is way about that because we have our old, you know, the old the old dance bar halls, which were totally unair conditioned. You just opened the windows, literally the the wooden windows on them on the green halls. Yeah, and this is where I grew up playing. So like, you'd be like you know, like sawdust on the floor and stuff. Cause maybe they had a livestock show there two days before. And now they're having a country show. I'm not even joking. Bars no, along no. the wall, all these spittoons and no, no AC. Yeah. And just yeah. hot, warm beer. <laughs> yeah. That was, we call that regular too. Right now. So, so, so musically, what do you do after you study some music at uh, Denton? The, What's it called? Uh, I'm, I'm inspired uh, by Mark Stewart, uh, mostly oh, about 1985. Okay, so you... I, I, leave, I leave and I started a, I started working in a record store. And can I, 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 can I, I say discovered something about Zoe that? France. Out of... I got to say something was about that. that. There used The first time I found an online presence of the pop group was a cat in Austin that was archiving all the pop group stuff. And then cancer killed oh, him or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But now, now we knew about pop group because of the records right in the late 70s. But then I... In the, Early '90s, I found this uh, this website. This cat was putting together, and I don't even know if the band knew about it at the time. But they probably uh, didn't. Mark might have. Who knows? You know. Right, but Soviet France. That's another band. I remember those cats. Oh, yeah, yeah. They influenced me a lot uh, to do uh, my first noise project in 1985. But I heard Mark Stewart's uh, Mark Stewart and Mafia, and that record oh, yeah. just made my head explode. And that was with the three guys from uh, Sugar Hill Band. You know, right, and then they right. Became on the, later. Doug Wimbish on the bass. Skip, uh, Skip Wait, exactly, exactly. And Blanc. Man, you're and you talk about full circle. If I could just say this, Mike, I'm yeah. actually working with those four people and Adrian Sherwood on a new song right now, a new Tackhead song that I am singing on and Mark Stewart singing oh, on. Oh wow! It's crazy you that this what? is happening at all. Yeah, I did a tour in England with uh, my buddy brother Sam and a, a project we got called Cousin. We played a town called. It's it's there in Kent, part of England. Ramsgate, uh-huh. and a lot of those guys they Ramsgate, moved to that's Ramsgate. Where lives. Yeah, that's why I was going. <laughs> what a trip! Oh my gosh, what that's a so fucking fun. trip! It's so funny you've been there. You I know? played there. There's a venue, and I actually that's played amazing. It. Yeah, yeah. And what they told me, they were building a train line because a lot of London people, I guess, are moving there, and it's it was an old port like run by the king of England like five, six, seven hundred years ago, and. Near right. Canterbury and all that. So you're working with those cats. Okay, but I want to get ahead of myself. So back in 85. I know, I know. I didn't mean to jump ahead, but it's just an interesting connection because that album inspired me. I mean, so many albums, you know, like just like you, so many albums inspire yeah. me in different ways. Yeah. And I can I could name 50 albums that, that had such an impact. But that record had an impact on my musical career. That's what I want to say about that, that Mark Stewart record. I'm not saying it's the only one, but it was the one that really – opened it up and industrial and noise and experimental in a way that I hadn't thought about it. Cut ups and mixing hip hop and stuff in a way that I just hadn't thought punk, you know, yeah. like all the shit he was doing with, you know, had done with pop group. He was just doing it and do a new, a different flavor 
with this, the Sugar Hill guys and Adrian, you know, as Tackhead. And it was just good. And so that just set me on this trajectory to do stuff. And I discovered Dark Wave and Goth along the way. And, you know, I was going to clubs a lot more then. And so, um, and, and because of, uh, because of uh, the pipeline in Texas from Chicago to Texas around a lot of uh, wax tracks bands and network label bands and played against Sam out of Belgium, I ended up, Lesson 7, I formed that in 1986. And then between 88 and 92, we opened up for every fucking band that was on those labels. What, what, and then we toured. Yeah, we, tell we, me about I'm, not, I'm not trying to get ahead. I'm just saying, like, it's interesting because, like, whether they were a minor band or not, they were just like, you're playing with that band. You're playing with that. So we opened up for all of them, whether they were good or not. Many of them were shitty. But but we played with all the legend, you know, bands that became legendary later, you know. Yeah, tell me about Lesson that, 7. That. How did Le- well, Lesson uh, 7 so, start? Lesson 7? Uh, it just... Uh, it was just my solo outgrowth of electronic music uh, that eventually um, I started getting different people to play with me between 86 and 88. I uh, had a guy play uh, like uh, like steel metal drums at one point. Uh, he OD'd on heroin. I had another singer guy because I wasn't confident enough about singing, but he, he spun off. And so uh, in 88, I, I started, I recruited two other guys and that became, between 88 and 92 was the really hard, big the, the time we were the most serious about stuff. And I got this guitarist, uh, David Starfire, who's gone on to be a DJ in his own world. And this guy, Wynn Martin, who's in Wynn Energy Fools. He still does Energy Fools today. Um, and so we we kind of formed the bulk of that project and, did, and then just started really doing stuff. And five months after being together, we were touring with Skinny Puppy on, in 1988. Uh, can, can you, you know, remember? Because we weren't necessarily good. <laughs> I'm gonna, ain't gonna lie. Well, can you remember the first lesson seven gig? Yeah, it was just me solo, and I had built uh, because I had in, I had seen Einstroh's and Denoyabouten, and I built. I saw all them this, in the desert uh, here, out in uh, Mojave. Oh my god, they were so good, uh, and they were so inspiring and, and building stuff. So I built this electronic pad driven stuff and you're talking about like a redneck that like it's pvc and duct tape and yeah. uh, you know vhs boxes but i'd made all these Econo. like clanging metal things that you could beat on but again low tech i'm not i wasn't i didn't nobody taught taught me how to make anything can, except can, for music can, can i so, ask you so i can, built all that that was the first gig did videos it was can, goofy. can i ask if you knew of a guy named zev Yo, I do know that. Yeah, I, I, I don't well, know cancer him, got I know, him. I know, cancer got him a few years ago. But he used to hit. I, he used to hit metal yeah. stuff all swinging around. Oh, that, that's course. like seventies punk. Like anything went. I was so glad that that oh, kind man, of that experimentation so came back. You know, we're, we're, can but I ask you, you if you, know you were book, hip? The industrial culture handbook. Do you know well, that I was going to ask you. Were you hip to uh, Throb and Gristle? I was, but again, that started to come later, not in 85, oh, okay. but by the time 87, 88, 89, 90, I started to figure it out. You know, I think we got a little bit of an age difference and it just, it doesn't seem like that much now, but it was more when I was a kid and, you know, the, like radio in Texas was terrible. Yeah. You know, it was like, Here I mean, too. unless you, unless you were into blues or, or psych rock, which I'm not, I'm not downing those things, but what, for a kid trying to get away from that shit. It was it was rough, and so like it was hardly an exposure. But we had two shows. George Gamark had a show, uh, Rock and uh, the Rock and Roll Alternative, which I'm sure you were on. Uh, he ran that show on KZU for 
30 years. That was, he got the Sex Pistols to come to, to Dallas and band, you know, bands like that in the 70s and the 80s. And then there was uh, Kano. Nerve Breakers, a, a, a right? I think, I think Nerve, nerve Breakers, yeah. They Telephones, up for Nerve Breakers. <laughs> Man, so many good bands. No, look, Scott, Scott, I'm going to have to cut you off right here because we're going to do more, but it's at the end of the first hour, February 25, 2023 edition. Peter, so special guest, Scott Crow. Hang on for hour two. February 25, 2023. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
for John Wayne, man. In the U.S. uniform and the cowboy vest Mass murderer, naked aggression The henchman lynching symbolizing oppression Professor to be a force of good A Ku Klux cracker without the hood Full package honky, I wish you would Gasoline and kerosene, I'm doubtful would Protect private property, kill the natives Being a cop of the races is not creative Archetype of the devil personified Kill, kill, kill Traumatized, fantasize, romanticize, and glamorize. Been a front man for expansion through genocide. Entertainment is propaganda. That blue eye devil was not the answer.
I said on my black native John Wayne could never. I said on my black native proud boys could never. Watch for Pedro show. Started the second hour off with the Sanskrit remix of Jesus. Sign featuring Mark Stewart. And Clowncore after these and buddies, Brother Brendan. It was on the last edition. Earth, Lewis Cole with Park Your Car on My Face. Uh, Genevieve Artadi with I Know. Logan Kane Nonet. Nonet, that means there's nine people in the band, right? Yeah. No net, not <laughs> <Exactly>. octet. <laughs> okay, ain't a last name, people. N- Nicole McCabe after that. Well, it's called Nope Science. That's the name of the song. And then Oblique from Nicole McCabe, Lullaby from Brendan Etter Ensemble. And then John Wayne was a Nazi. Okay, MDC and Audio Assault featuring Mick Crenshaw, Soul, and Seema Lee. Now, I remember their first version. In fact, they were called the Stains at first, but they changed their name when they found out there was an East L.A. band I, called the Stains. totally did. They totally did. Yeah, but, but that version is great. We totally updated. We made a hip-hop version. It's yeah, so yeah. good. With Dave's blessing. Dave, you know, Dave uh, and I became friends just before, I just met people. him for the first time, but just before COVID happened, yeah. the whole pandemic thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, they moved early to the city. They had to get out of Austin. Gary Gary Floyd did the same thing with the the Dicks. Yep. They, yeah. Yep. Yep. And also Adam uh, Adam Sherburn, uh, who was uh, uh, he ended up being consolidated later. He was a yeah. punk kid in in Houston back in those times too. Right. Right. He's still around with Consolidated, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, and some yeah. other projects. But, so great. yeah, all those kind, of, all those Texas kids, man. So 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 continue. Everybody's trying to get that, the hell out. That first gig you did was Man Alone with your machines, and was yeah. it, what is it? Was it a success? What what was the setup? Oh, absolutely. Well, it was a, it was a, a a music festival called Change Your Life. Uh, I was one of the headlining acts of a bunch of unknown acts, and uh, your first was gig a was crowd. a headlining act. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, <laughs> midnight. I can be on midnight. Okay. <laughs> yeah, get the broom right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it was a great crowd, and it was just a yeah. good. It was just a good building out of out of that, you know. And and it, and it you know, started to build, just kind of build from that, you know. Well, you started. You started cringe, add more, but, I, but you know, but it had to start somewhere. Well, you started to add more cats to the prod. You were mentioning last hour all these. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Why? Why? And you, then we didn't want to. Why? Did why? You, you just because I didn't want to. I didn't want to just be in a single yeah, industrial okay. band with just one guy and com- computers. Because that even in the eighties. 
yeah. was starting to become very typical. And so uh, I added acoustic guitar and bass. That was yeah. one person. And then, and then the guy that played the synths, because he was also a good songwriter. So, and, and so it was just a good outfit. We were just a, a really strong outfit. And I just became a singer after that. I, I co-wrote the songs and, and became a singer mostly. Where'd you get the and name? And didn't even play keyboards after that. Where'd you get the name Lesson 7? You know what? I don't even remember at this point. It's just uh, one of those words that kind of rhymed. I've hated it and loved it at the same time over the many years. There's times I was like, I should have changed it. And so many times radio guys are like, level seven, less than seven, <laughs> less than, you know, like so many things. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's a difficult name. <laughs> so, I was just interested. I mean, it's a good number. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. It doesn't really mean lesson. anything. Seven is, you know, whatever. So, And what about Torrin? Uh, we toured. Uh, we toured with Skinny Puppy in 1988, yeah. and then we toured with Nine Inch Nails in 1990 on the Hate Tour before they actually broke out. Got along really great with them. And then, like I mentioned earlier, we played with every band. I'm like, we played with Ministry like five times. I mean, this is not like you. You have to understand. Like, I'm, I didn't have a long story career. This is just in a few years we did all this stuff, and I left in '92. So. We played with Ministry and Revolting Cox and Meet Me Manifesto and Severed Heads. I mean, you, you just name any of those bands on Wax Tracks and and uh, Network, and we were we played with them. And we probably, were paired with them again and again and again. And probably by this time, there's a Deep Bellum scene, right? Yeah, but it was punk funk. That was the big thing. All the labels were coming to, to Texas during that time, about 88 to about 90. Yeah. And they were signing all these bands, but they were signing a lot of punk funk bands it was real big and those are the bands that like if we didn't do a show like we would play like a club a goth club and we'd draw a thousand people but yeah. if we played a regular club like a you know just like they have live bands there'd be fucking 50 people at that thing but then a punk funk band would play and they'd have two thousand people at these shows again and again Ten, Ten hands and new bohemians and yeah. a bunch of like hippie kind of bands that were i didn't appreciate them so much then i hated them because they just i thought they sucked all the oxygen out for all the all, anything that was outside of the mainstream but now i've come to appreciate them a lot lot more you know not necessarily new bohemians whatever i mean they were fine well, but, what's your whole idea but, scott but hands. let me ask you what's your take on fucking the idea of genre anyway ain't music just music it, well that's the truth of it right but that's a that's a that's an old man's perspective, an older person's perspective. You know what I mean? Like it's true. Like if you if you're if you're a true artist, you begin to go like, well, those genres don't really exist. But when I was a young person or a yeah. young man, I was like, no, it has to be this thing. It's some purity that I don't even know why yet. Okay. Do you okay. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, like okay. so, like and and I wasn't again. I wasn't raised like even like my dad, like he was musical, but he only listened to country music, you know, like. And so he had all these genres in country that he listened to. And my mom to degrees. And then she started listening to like Neil, Neil Diamond and Barry Manilow. And so that's how I saw those bands, Village People, John Denver, you know, like that's how I saw all these bands. And so um, uh, but but I was like. Once I left metal, I knew I didn't want to be in metal anymore, but I didn't know what that would be. So if I had stayed in music from 92 on until today, sure, it would have been. I don't care about genres. I care nothing about genres. I just released an album that has like every kind of like I mash up so many genres in that and 10 songs. More I feel power sorry to you. More have to power to, to you. Now, look, you gave me this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You gave me this Eric Random and Stephen Malander. I'm going to play. Yeah. This. Let me play it.
Lot from Pedro Show. Start off that chunk of music with One Way No Replay, the Energy Fools remix, Eric Random and Stephen Malander. Then Keith Fullerton Whitman, 12D Check by Interposing Peace. And me after that with number two, DIY. What a name for a band, right? But with Belt. <laughs> Don't want to get hit with that. I mean, one time I'm doing a gig with the Stooges, and he takes his belt off and comes at me, and I'm going, just don't use the buckle egg. <laughs> but he didn't hit me. He didn't hit me. From Anchorage, Alaska, Muskeg Mudsuck with 10% battery, Ray Shin out of Reno with Regret and the Common Man, and fin- uh, co- Concrete Age, finally, Scott Crow. And Birth Center, the Meat Beat Manifesto Planned Obsolescence Remix. Yes. Enlighten us to Eric Stra- uh, Random and Stephen Malander. Well, Eric Random, uh, let me start with Malander first. Malander is a legend in industrial words. He's the co-founder of Cabaret Voltaire. Oh, wow, uh, that's right. That's right. Man, so I had he, that, that I mean, cut, up, I had that cut <laughs> up album. I loved it. Oh, man, I remember oh, when that came out. So good. I mean, and we uh, just uh, lost Henry the Voltaire main just man. That so was him. Much. Yeah, Sheffield. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's so sad. I was working with Richard H. Kirk also on another track, which gotten, and it's he was gotten the other more cat. delayed because his passing. And then, and then there know. was a third. Yeah, he was the main man. That's right. And then there was a third cat, like off that first album, and he became a, a field recorder for BBC. Though that's right, Chris Watson. The Watson Chris Watson. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He also did Hafler Trio later, and some other projects that are incredible noise soundscape projects really beautiful wonderful using field recordings and do uh, the Mussolini. i had a cabaret voltaire seven inch called do the mussolini head kick of course <laughs> mussolini head kick of course man so it's great to work with malander and eric random's he's got a story unto himself i mean he, he knew cabaret voltaire since the beginning and he was in he was nico's band leader all through the 80s uh wow. but he was in he was in a lot of early punk bands, um, but he just was, he got out of them and those, and then all those guys went on to be famous in the late seventies. And then he just kind of went on to his life, but he ended up in Nico's band and he's been recording great electronic music. And I just like working with them. And again, there's energy fools, old lesson seven guy. He's still doing energy fools. Um, when Martin, he's a great, he's a great artist to work with a good remixer. And uh, anyway, so I work with him on that stuff. Uh, and, this, and that was it's just a great track. It's really nice to work with Malander at Random. It's just an honor, you know, like working with Mark Stewart. It's an honor. Yeah, yeah. And in this Concrete Age, yeah, Concrete Age. So it's a concept I've been developing about how we think we're so important, and you know, we're li- living in the anthrop- Anthropocene epoch right now, right? Like it's human induced everything that we're controlled. We, we're influencing the planet. Well, we think we're so important and we're going to last forever. But if electricity goes away, basically the concept is that all it's going to be left is a layer of concrete and plastic. And it's going to be the concrete age. It's going to be a little small sediment layer. It's not even going to be that big. And that's all it's going to be left of us. And so I built a concept out of it. And Jack from uh, Me Be Manifesto loved it. So he called it the planned obsolescence uh, remix. Okay. I, well, I like the result, man. Bitch it. Look, Thank we're, you. Thanks. Mercer's my son. He's a. I've been working with him off and on with music. He's a great musician unto himself. So just so I could throw that in there. Milo Harkness Smith. Yeah, Mercer's virtually a great out of the birth center. <laughs> you had something <laughs> so, to do with that, right? Hey, we're at the end yeah. of the second hour, February 25, 2023 edition of Pedro Show. Special guest Scott Crow. Hang tight for hour three.
February 25, 2023. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Electricity? Because electricity? No, 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 no. That stuff is definitely not free. Unless you're Benjamin Franklin with a kite, a string, and a skeleton key. A stormy sky chock full of static. Walk away when the only payment option is automatic. Man, you're better off sweating or shivering under... A tree hallucinating reality.
fire, called a firestorm, in an area about 2,000 square miles around the center of the blast. And in such an area, it would be futile, desperately futile, to construct what are called fallout shelters.
Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with All My Senses. Mark Stewart, K.K. Dahl, Watts involved. It's, it's a Grand Hart song. It's a great track. We were talking about this at the beginning of the show, yeah. but uh, Mark wanted to... Yep. I mean, Grant wrote a lot of bitchin' tunes, and he picked this one. We had Noy Souk after that with GSW, Random Steps from Cunningham slash Volt slash Sarah out of Barcelona. Dumbass Youth out of Knoxville. Hallucinating Reality. Tragic Assembly with Non-Listener, and finally, Lesson 7, the NRG mix of Radiation. So so what happens with, uh, in like, you said early 90s, with uh, uh-huh. uh, Lesson 7? What, did it kind of run its course? or? Well, I ran my course. I was raising a kid, and, uh, you know, um, I, I toured, a, I would toured a lot, not as extensively as you guys. Again, you just remember this is like a certain period of time, and so... I decided to quit. I, t- I got tired of touring and coming home with no money or less money than I started out with. I know, I know many musicians know this story. So I just left. I just I, I just walked away from all my bands, closed the door and said goodbye to it all. And uh, went into the antique business and opened two art galleries to the 90s and um, sold high-end, mid-century modern and uh, furniture and art for the next 10 years. What, what uh, kind of made a world doing that. What, what about privately? Like... You know, just making music nope. for yourself. Nope. No, oh, you sold my gear whole... and just said goodbye to it. The whole until enchilada. About, uh, the whole enchilada. Yeah, until about two thousand two or three, I started playing. I learned. I was like, I'm going to learn to play acoustic guitar. I was sitting around campfires a lot. I'm doing a lot of activism stuff. I'm sitting in the woods, stopping trees from being cut down. Uh, and so, uh, so I was like, you know what, I think I'm just going to, I think I'm going to do this for a while. So I learned to play guitar. So I started writing songs and playing songs, but still wasn't that serious about it. And then, uh, by, you know, move forward, I, I wrote a, I wrote a couple of books that did pretty good. I, I don't know if you know of an anarchist writer. That's the main thing I've done for the last 15 or 20 years. Uh, I was listed as a domestic terrorist for about 10 years and hunted by the FBI, turned those into great stories and, and had a couple of big books come out can, of them. Can I uh, ask you book. about one person in that kind of field? Yeah. Emma Goldman. Yeah. You like her? She's one of my shows, yeah, okay, man. Okay, okay. Come on, man. She's the one. She's the one. Yeah, I'm into her. You know? I'm into her yeah. yeah. So she, she had a, you know, she was working class. She was an immigrant. She just had so many good politics. She was sexually forward. She wanted, she wanted birth control. I mean, there's like, there's a great so, book, people. There's a yeah. great book in two volumes called "Living My Life." I recommend Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Oh, and, and highly recommend it. She did get to do book. one spiel oh God, tour. I, can't I think it. Eleanor yeah. Roosevelt let her do a spiel tour in 1940. Yeah, she was a great orator too. You know, and she she was a heavy writer. She wrote a lot. You know, she was a, a definitely. 
an active person. And, so, you know, so, so, anarchy today is way different than it used to be. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's grown and changed and done so many things. And but but I but it's really established in the United States now. And I I, I credit punk rock with keeping it alive in the modern generations from the seventies on because it was kind of deadish, you know. And but, then in the you know, early two thousands, it's really blown up. You know, human humans go through the cycles. You know, I think Chuck D said it's so true. It's so true. I think Chuck- but you know, I mean, anarchy is anti-fascist at its core. So right, right. You know, Right. Anti- when you when you hear people saying they're anti-fascist, a lot of them are anarchists, even if they're not, you know, whatever. I mean, it's not like a, a brand or anything. I think but Chuck, yeah, I, I dig it. So. Chuck D said, cycles, cycles, life comes in cycles, old is new, no I ain't oh, no psycho. <laughs> Yes, I'm gonna play yes. some more. I want to play some more Lesson Seven. I wish I would have get you would have sent me some of that acoustic guitar music.
for Pedro oh, okay. Show. Last right. music for this edition. Start that chunk off with Lesson 7 doing and the, in parentheses, Arise. Uh, Bridge mm-hmm. of Flowers after that with Aloe Vera. Bombas Prendon, When We Dance. Eugene Chadbourne, Ron Bushy. And then finally, Lesson 7 with the Lesson 7 version of Fallen Into Sleep. So uh, what you're hearing, people, is uh, Scott re-releasing. This is a new Lesson 7. You explain, Scott. Yeah, so in 1992, I closed the door. And I've had so many other eras. Like some people, they're like, I just do this for my life. That's not been me. you know. So I opened the galleries. I, I did political activism for 20 years. I was uh, During that time, I was listed as a domestic terrorist. I wrote books for 10 or 15 years. I still write books. They still come out. Um, and so uh, I didn't really pay attention to music. But what happened was that Time went on and other kids, younger kids, started to discover the music that I had. How they found the cassettes or how they found the records, I don't even know because I wasn't tuned in at all. But they started to ask me when I would speak. I would, I, I, my first book, I toured for five years around the world talking uh, at, at colleges. And so there'd be hundreds of kids. And so somebody would always ask me about the band. I was like, how do you even know about this? And so uh, some some rappers, I got some social capital, and some underground rappers. Uh, Soul was one of them. Time is another one. Um, they gave me a lot of encouragement to redo music. And so uh, in t- 2016, Soul was like, hey, man, I want you to guest on a track with me. And I was like, OK, I'll do that. And I thought I was going to go into the studio. I was going to fly to Maine. I was going to get in the studio because that's what we did. You know, you like you, you'd go to the studio and do it. He's like, and I was like, all right, I was I was I'll get all excited about it. He's like, no, man, just record it in your phone. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man, just just record your part in your fucking phone and send it to me and we'll edit it. I was like, okay. So that was my first introduction to that. And that, that shows up on my new album. And that, that song was released on their album in 2016. So after that, I just started doing stuff. And then all these people, so I, I literally, by 2017 or 18, I only had four songs that I'd recorded. And we recorded, you know, a hundred songs or, you know, during those early years and stuff in different bands and stuff. I didn't have any of them. And I just started asking on social media and people started sending me cassette tapes and DVDs and CDs and videos and things I just didn't have. And so I was able to rebuild it. And along the way, as I started the, the record label Emergency Hearts, I was like, well, because I didn't finish these, didn't get to finish this project. How about if I go back to people I used to know to remix it? So I'd go back to Mark Stewart because I, I knew him tangentially or Adrian or Keith LeBlanc. I just was like, hey, man, would you redo a remix for me? So I just started getting all these people to do remixes. So I so I reissued the Lesson 7 stuff. But now the last two months we're reissuing these remixes from all these all these big name people, you know, in that in those worlds, you know, whatever it is. So big name being whatever the hell that means. That's air quotes. So uh, but people that meant things to me, that artists that meant things to me and not because I was trying to live in the past but just trying to bring it to the present and into the future. And I call the remix series remixes, uh, uh, memories of the future, because that's what they are. Right. You know? Right. No, really interesting. So, because, yeah, I remember, the, I think that was up in the city, this band, Black Humor, they had this line in a song. He said, the only thing new is you finding out about it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. You know what I mean? So Being in the right true. place at the right so, time. And, and it's interesting because the, the digital, well, let me just say this real quick. The digital age, everybody is starting with music new if you're young. So if you get a song from the 50s or the 30s or the 80s or 2022 or 23, to you, it's all brand new. Yeah. And so all, like that's the beauty of the digital age is that there's no bias against like, well, that's an old song. I can't do anything with it. It's like, what is that song? I never heard it. And because of all the old as new retro sounds, it just works, not just for our label, but for so many artists. 
No, and I love no, mashing up the I know old what stuff. You, I know stuff. what you're saying, Scott. That's what I was trying yeah. to get at when I was saying, fuck genre, music is music. Because exactly. Right. Music you're, is you're, music, You're, you're putting it in the, in the context of old is new, but the same thing. You know, fast beat, slow beat, double time, half time. It don't matter. It's still music. Right. Even scales and, and, the, and the tonalities and the noises and stuff. Yeah, it is, and it's got I – love, I love the modern era of mashup of the way that music is – not so genre specific, you know. I really, truly do, and it, it just took me growing up to figure that out. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's I guess taking me a lifetime. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it because it is a journey, and I like that you're open ended about it. You're open to possibilities Absolutely. with music, and Absolutely. so am I. Which is what I call our emergency heart. When you're yeah. open to possibilities, and you you want to make change in something, whether it's political or or cultural you know it's the joy that you bring to it and the openness and the possibilities that's our emergency heart okay where can people find out about emergency heart on the internet uh emergencyhearts.com uh we're also on all the streaming services is it heart or hearts it's hearts plural plural. okay hearts plural yeah people emergency hearts plural.com e-m-e-r-g-e-n-c-y-h-h-e-a-r-t-s Dot com. Dot com. Right. And we're on Bandcamp and all the streaming services and stuff. We've yeah, got videos got on all the platforms I dig and stuff that. for our different art. I like the idea you got your own website because having your own website is like having your own fanzine. And then there's it links is, to all that. Because we can communicate stuff. directly. Absolutely. I love it. I Absolutely. love being able to communicate directly with people and, look, and get communication from people. And when you get done with this reissue, you're going to move to some new original music. I'm doing. I was, I've, I've just released. This, I have five albums out this year. So I did a Scott Crow album also that just came out called "Of Everything and Nothing." I also have my corporate uncle noise project uh, with working oh, with KK shit. Null and Mary no, and you back. France and Scott. all these old noise guys. That's coming out. And Audio Assault, my political industrial uh, rap project. I'm working with Chuck D, Dell the Funky, Homo Sapiens, Soul, Seema Lee, Whoa. Mike Crenshaw, we're, and MDC. We're just, so I'm mixing old punk guys. I'm calling you to do bass on the next track. Yeah, and, I would uh, love and, to. And, and, and hip-hop guys to do stuff. So, I got yeah, to, to be that, on television. I, I got to be on television with Dell the uh, Funky, Homo Sapiens, oh, yeah. with uh, Mike D and Jay He's Maskus. A freak, man. Yeah. That I, dude is such a freak. Well, look, when you get this going, you come back on the show. Let's play it and talk about it, Okay. That sounds great, man. That sounds great. Invites open, Scott, truly. People, it's been the February 25, 2023 edition. Why Pedro shall keep you powder dry.